It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, let's get into the message. Welcome to our podcast people around the world. Good time to be getting into podcasts if you're self-isolating uh, and you've already worked through the entire back catalogue of Netflix, then uh, welcome to Elevate Church. We consider you our extended Elevate family around the world. And we're into week two of a series we've called All In. And two weeks ago, we launched this. The message was around gathering live, that, that God has a reason as the church, not just to say I uh, am part of a church, but actually I am the church. And I'm going to gather, on the one hand, to be encouraged and also to gather live so that God can use me to encourage others. And so this matters. What we do, gathering here for one hour, matters uh, every Sunday. Last week, we talked about investing and inviting, that, that Jesus didn't just die come to this earth and die for church people, that he died for, for all people, and that we're charged with the responsibility of actually investing and inviting in people who don't know that truth yet, and yet it's not incumbent solely on you to do the whole thing, the conversion, if you like, but rather that investing is each one of our responsibility in our sphere of influence, friends, family, kids, parents, community, colleagues, etc., and that we collectively create environments. Our, our main sort of front door environment is our live experience on a Sunday, although some people uh, may even find it comfortable to be invited in the side door into an elevate group and uh, meet some, some people. But th- there's an invest and an invite component there. Today I want to talk about taking next steps. Because here's the thing. When it comes to life, when it comes to following Jesus, there's always more. And I was reminded of this through a very kind of obtuse vantage point. I have known for many years that there are, in fact, three Kardashians, what I call the KKK, uh, Kim, Courtney, and Chloe. I knew that. I've known that for a long time. It's not a shock to me. It's not a shock to you. It's, in fact, an inescapable reality uh, that that happens. But it was only two years ago that I discovered that there was a third Jonas brother. And some of you know this, because I've said this, that there's actually... Three Jonas brothers. There's Nick Jonas, Joe Jonas, and another one. And we don't know his name in our house, so Louie and I just call him the bonus Jonas. We don't know his name. Probably doesn't even matter. Uh, but there's three. And, and by the way, I've said this before, a little fun fact. And don't look at it now, but this afternoon, when you're self-isolating, if you want to find out, go onto your little uh, web browser and, uh, and go to the images and type in Nick Jonas, and you will... <sighs> Okay, just need to let you know, you won't be able to unsee this. But Nick Jonas does, in fact, have three front teeth. Anyway, moving on. Last month, listen carefully. Last month, this is going to blow your minds. I discovered that there's a third Hemsworth brother. Hello. Who knew that already? Liam, Chris, and another one. But you can't see the bonus Hemsworth because it doesn't rhyme. So I'll come back to you with I just discovered that. There's always more, is the point I'm making. (laughs) Same when it comes to following Jesus. 
Following Jesus isn't about being in versus being out. I became saved, so I'm in, and kaplunk. No, it's about a journey because there's always more that God wants to do for us. There's always more that God wants to do in us, and there's especially always more that God wants to do through us. And the way that we get that, the way that we take advantage of that is about this commitment every day, every month, every year to consistently take next steps. A couple of years ago, Louis and I uh, purchased and moved into a new old house, uh, 1956, two by one, uh, well built, not well loved. And so we bought that with the idea of, uh, of uh, taking the back, slicing the back off and putting an, an extension on. And here's the thing, with developing this, uh, this, uh, this house, this Renault extension project, it's a process. And the process is not going to actually eventuate if all we do is say that now that we've bought the house and we're in it, we're done. It's like, no, that was merely a next step. Maybe, like I said, the first step. Now there is the step of finding an architect, which we've done. There's the step of finding a builder, which we've done. There's the step of working with the architect and the builder of developing plans, which we've done, etc., etc., etc. It's this constant, ongoing process of taking next steps, which will ultimately if everything goes to plan, uh, result in us having the thing that we bought the house to do, a new extension, renovation project uh, going. This week, we, we, we took a next step. We reached a milestone. I was very excited about it. This week, I declared, was shed week. New shed. We've got to put the shed in the back before we bring the building team. New shed. Now, I, I don't know how to work most tools that have been created. I get it, right? But, but I do gardening. So really, when you say garden shed, this is a garden shed. It's not a man shed. It's not a she shed. It's not a man cave. It's a garden shed. There's a couple of tools that are probably going to mysteriously make their way in there. I won't know how to use them, but you know, when Paul DeBlanc comes over, he'll be impressed that I even own them. Uh, but hey, Paul, have you seen my doodly, wackily, hoosily thing? And he's like, it's a drill, Mark. A what? A drill. Huh. Okay. Good tip. So Thursday morning, shed guys were coming in, 7 a.m. I was up at 5.30. I mean, I'm up at 5.30 anyway, but I'm for 5.30, Louis 5.30. I go, babe, guess what today is? She's like, what? It's shed day! And, man, we've got a new shed. It's a thing of beauty. But that was just the next step, and there's plenty more to come. But here's the thing. The same applies for us in life with one key exception. When eventually, eventually, once everything's said and done and handover happens and maybe landscaping's all finished and so on and so forth, we can actually move from development mode into maintenance mode. And that's cool. I'm like, yeah, all right, great. However, in life... Jesus challenges us to actually never move into maintenance mode. That on this side of eternity, that there is always a next step for us. Because maintenance mode, by the way, is actually more commonly known as the comfort zone. And here's the thing. Hear me, hear me, hear me clearly. The comfort zone is a great place to visit. I pray for you that in times of great pressure and stress, when you're being overextended, that God would reward you and soothe you and lead you into places where you can visit the comfort zone and experience seasons of rest and restoration and recovery and catch your breath. But don't settle there. Don't move into your comfort zone because the danger is your comfort zone can ultimately become the complacency zone where you're no longer looking for opportunities for God to do things for you, in you, and especially 
through you. So I want to show you a little bit of how that plays out in our lives. If you've got our Elevate Church AU app, which we're now counting in weeks, maybe even days until version 2.0 launches. Um, But it's going to, if you tap the Bible title, it's going to take you to a slice of something that Paul wrote, which actually was the inspiration for this uh, t-shirt, and it'll become obvious uh, in a second. Just to let you know, by the way, oh, no, I'll come back to that. All right, never mind. This is what Paul wrote. He wrote this to the church in, in Philippi. Now, Paul was sort of like one of the big wigs of the early church, and he would write letters to instruct and encourage, and sometimes correct uh, church people back in, in, the, in those days, m- much of which still applies to us because human nature hasn't changed in 2,000 years despite other things changing. And this is right off the bat in the, in the first chapter, and he said, there's never been, this is so great, the, the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears, there will be a finish. God's work will be complete in us, but not on this earth. And until then, the God who started the good work in us, he will keep at it. And I love that. In, in, in fact, this highlights that, that, that transformation is actually not our job. That's God's job. He will continue to do the work. However, there is a requirement for us, and that's for us to continue to follow. Because Paul made it very clear that he didn't say that the God who started this great work in you will keep pushing you, will keep pulling you, will keep cajoling you. He makes this idea that he will keep leading us and our responsibility is to merely continue to follow. Let me move around. I'm going to move around the Bible a little bit this morning. I don't normally do that kind of thing. One passage kind of holds up for itself. But I want to show you there's a pattern. This is not an obscure, wow, it's just one sentence. I mean, how important can it be? Uh, I want to show you the, there's a pattern. So come with me on this, this journey. Let me show you something that Peter wrote. Now, Peter was one of Jesus' uh, closest followers, one of his original 12. He wrote this. Now... <clears throat> Like infants at the breast, drink deep of God's pure kindness. Then you'll grow up mature and whole in God. It's important when you read this to understand what Peter is is saying and also to understand what Peter isn't saying. Now, I assume somebody's had the birds and the bees and how babies and breasts work. So let's just kind of skip over that bit, assume that it's collective knowledge in here. But there's milk involved, okay? So I'm told. And Peter's saying, he, sorry, what Peter's not saying is drink milk, expecting that milk will ultimately make us mature and whole in God. He's actually talking about a posture of thirst, a posture of always wanting more. If you think that milk is the big idea, then that could be a problem. Because milk is fine for growth when you're just getting going. But after a point, milk will actually, if that's all you're having, will actually be a retardant. And there's actually an expectation that you'll continue to move on with your nourishment as you grow and mature. So the, the milk isn't 
the big idea here. The big idea here is to drink deep of God and continue to do that. And as you continue to do that, you'll grow up. It's a process. Mature and whole in God. Now, I've been leading church in churches and leading a church for 20 plus years. And it's a reality of church life in the Western society that people will, will, will leave, some people sometimes, leave churches. And it's just, it's the reality. And some of them are for fine reasons. You know, people move away for work, move into state, move overseas. And I get all of that. Um, but look, some of the reasons people give, they're a little bit dubious. Um, the, the most common chestnut that I've heard over 20 plus years is this, it's a clanger, all right? And, and, and maybe some of you are already there. And it's this. Uh, <clears throat> thankfully, I actually haven't ever heard it here, so either people have thought it and not said it or actually haven't thought it, but it's this one. Uh, I'm leaving this church because, outrage voice, bring your outside voice inside, add a slice of outrage. I'm not being fed. Now, <clears throat> hypothetically, if in the future you're thinking of saying that to me, let me save your breath. Because I will tell you right now, ahead of time, what my response will be. So you won't even have to say it. You're like, I wonder what Mark would say if I tell him I'm not being fed. Well, this is what I will say. Help me understand whose responsibility you think it is to feed you. Hypothetically, you might say back to me, well, when I first started here at Elevate, I was getting fed, feeling good, pretty nourished. But uh, now that I'm mature, it's just not enough anymore. So I'm going to, I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else. And I will say back to you, hypothetically, so you're telling me that because you're now mature, what we're feeding isn't enough for you. Yeah, hypothetically, you'd nod. And I say, I would hypothetically say back to you, you're actually telling me by your very words, you're actually demonstrating that you're not very mature. Because somehow in your journey, you've missed the memo that it's not my responsibility to feed you as you have allegedly continued to grow. So, oh, I'm not done yet. Because here's the thing. When you're first born, yeah, mom's doing all the heavy lifting. And by the way, that might be true for somebody who's first entering into a relationship with Jesus. This might be all you can kind of access. You don't even know how to read the Bible, and that's okay. In the beginning, this can be your probably only meal. And maybe, by the way, this might be enough to keep you going for seven days because you're like, whoa, my mind's been blown. i got to take seven days. This is all new to me. Fantastic. That's how it should be. Listen, I've even heard a rumor that, it, that it's possibly acceptable for a 14-year-old to text their mom from the other room and ask what's for dinner. I've heard that that might be, might be acceptable in some settings. But here's what I think is reasonably universal. It is not going to be acceptable when you're 25 years old, whether you're still living in the basement or you've moved out of home, that seven days a week you're texting mom saying what's for dinner. 
Because at some point, you seem to have missed the memo that you're now 25 years old. You're now responsibility, responsible for feeding you. I mean, you can visit for a meal. And so when this has happened in my experience, if people said, I'm leaving because I'm not being fed, they, they, they project not just the responsibility, but they project the blame onto the church. They project the blame onto the, the, the people up here with the microphone. They maybe project the blame onto their Elevate group leader or their small group leader. And then what I've seen is then they move on to another church and there's an initial honeymoon period where they're on the breast and then, and then that kind of, uh, you know, fades and reality kicks in. And, and, and no, this is no kidding. I say this in love. I really do. I mean, in fact, I want this to be a preemptive strike for all of us because I've seen many and countless, I've lost count, many of those same people after two, three years in the next church move on for exactly the same reason because that church is no longer feeding them. And then that pattern repeats and repeats. And so what I would say to those people, but I never get the chance because, you know, once they've gone, they've gone. But hypothetically, <laughs> if I had the opportunity, I'd say that the best thing you can do for your growth is to look in the mirror and declare to yourself, my church is not responsible for feeding me. My church leader, pastor, insert appropriate title, priest, vicar, is not responsible for feeding me. My small group leader is not responsible. The person primarily responsible for feeding me is right there in the mirror. Now, I said I'd skip around the Bible a bit. Don't let me do that, but let's do it. And uh, I want to show you again, just to make sure you understand, this is not a marginal topic. Of, of the journey, of the next steps. By the way, I'm going to kind of riff on a few Bible verses here. Little preview, sneak preview. Uh, our Elevate Church app uh, version 2.0 will actually uh, kill off the Bible uh, section. Not kill off the Bible. Kill off the Bible section. Oh, who needs the Bible? No, no. Uh, what we'll, we'll be uh, superseding it with is actually a message notes section where we'll put in the, 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 each message that's preached, the title, the big idea, some of the key points, and actually bake in any Bible references we have into that notes section so it comes preloaded. And then at the bottom of each message, so each week, there's a section for you all to take your own notes so you can have your own personal notes in the section of the notes that's being preached. Hello, somebody. Come on. Yeah, all right. Hmm. Oh, just trying to remember whose idea that was. Probably mine. Probably mine. It was a good idea, so probably mine. All right, let's start with this one. Now, let one, this is Paul again writing to the church in Corinth. This is in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Now, let me, just, let me just give you a little bit of bonus content here. This chapter contains the wedding verses. You know the wedding verses? Love is patient, love is kind, all that good stuff, right? What the people at the wedding, and it'll, I'm not trying to shut down weddings. Uh, when that, that's read, uh, the thing that's missing, and by the way, we might have missed it in our journey as well. The thing that's missing is Paul's writing to th this slice of his letter to that church in Corinth because they were squabbling. They weren't doing life well with each other. And so he wrote this section. You could go home and read it. You, you, he wrote this section and he said, you idiots, stop it. 
Stop quarreling. We're meant to be united. We're the body of Christ, not the dismembered body of Christ. So would you quit it? And in fact, look, here's a better way. Here's how it's meant to work. Love is patient. Love is kind. Read this, get it, and start doing it. Because then he said, after he's like, stop doing that. Start doing this. And here's the big, the, the, the big kicker. Because when I was an infant... At my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like any infant. But when I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. He said to them, guys, when the church first started in Corinth, some of this stuff, we could kind of let it slide because you didn't know any different. Babies are allowed to do stuff that, 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 that is now considered socially unacceptable for you and I. And if you're still doing it, like you did when you were a baby, it suggests that in that aspect of your life, you haven't grown up. So, so there's, this, there's this idea that, that it, again, we're meant to leave the infant ways for good. They were fine when we were an infant, but they're no longer fine. They're no longer going to do what God's called us to do. The writer of Hebrews, by this time, you ought to be teachers yourselves. Hello, teaching yourselves? Boy, does that mean I'll be out of a job? Well, no, because you're going to keep investing and inviting, and there's going to be more people for us to build. Okay, plus I hope you get something as well for yourself. But by this time, you ought to be teachers yourselves. Yet here I find you needing someone to sit down with you and go over the basics on God again, starting from square one, baby's milk, when you should have been on solid food long ago. Milk is for beginners. Inexperienced in God's ways, solid food is for the mature. He goes on. Same writer, same book, very next chapter. So come on. Let's leave the... <laughs> I love this. Let's leave the preschool finger-painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust towards God, baptismal instructions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. God helping us will stay true to all that, but there's so much more. Let's get on with it. Paul again to the church in Ephesus. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are easy to mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who's the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. Are we getting the point here, people? Seems to be a pattern forming. Now, here's some suggestions. Everyone's next steps are going to look different. Different from the person next to you, different from you the last season of your life. So I, I can't and wouldn't stand up here and say, okay, everyone, this week, what we're all going to do is uh, sometimes it's appropriate. We might say, let's, we're, you know, let's as a church fast together or pray together. Uh, but in terms of the personal next steps, they're bespoke. Okay, so let me, let me give you like a list. And some of these might, oh, yeah. Because if you haven't done them or, or you've done them but dropped them or maybe this, this might kind of like, ah, I need to do that or pick that up again. Here's, here's the list. Maybe 
The next step for you is to join an Elevate group. And our Elevate groups are sort of in organic mode at the moment, and they're going to be formally relaunching in, in term two. And there's a place for, to do life together, to encourage one another. Also, we, we study the Bible together. And so if you're like, well, I don't really know how to study the Bible, great. Get into an Elevate group, and, and, and within that smaller, more uh, uh, focused group, there's opportunities there to actually take what we're learning here and drill it deep in, into our own lives. So that could be a next step. Download the Bible app, you know, like it's free and it's in every version just about that's ever been uh, written. And, and so we can actually use that. And in fact, uh, sometimes, and many of us do that, there's plans in there, reading plans. They uh, used to be called devotionals or devos. Uh, the cool kids called them that, I think. Uh, anyway, they're all there and you can, and it's brilliant. I love it. I do it. Many of you I know already do that. Subscribe to a podcast. Now, podcasts are actually like uh, lean cuisine. They're actually pre-prepared, ready-to-heat meals. They're like, you don't even have to leave your house. This is great for self-isolators. This is it. Get a podcast. They're free. They're available. And, and I say that they're free, they're available, and, and all of the millennials and the Gen Zers, and they go, oh, yeah, duh. But look, listen to me. Okay, listen to me, snowflakes. Listen, here's the thing. There was a time where if you wanted to get a message and listen or re-listen to that message, you had to purchase it on a cassette tape. Cassette tape. I don't have time to get into explaining what that is. But, and I used to do this. I had a sales and marketing job that, that I spent most of my time traveling to and from clients around the Perth metro area and beyond. And so within my car, I had the choice of listening to... Uh, Local radio, which is incredibly painful. Uh, not the music, but the presenters. Uh, or, I, and I choose, what I chose to do was to buy more and more cassette tapes. Not great for the environment. More and more cassette tapes. And I would just have them loaded up on my passenger seat. And I turned my sales rep car into a mobile Bible school. And I, 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 I kid you not, I would have a, 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 a message, a sermon going every single minute that I was in that car. A new message, a new message, and then I could have, I'll give it to a friend, hey man, this message. You look. And, I would, and I did that for years. And, and now I've continued that, though I'm not having to purchase things and certainly not cassette tapes, but thanks to podcasts and earbuds and an iPhone, uh, I'm listening to them, I continue the same thing when I'm training, running, gym, cycling, whatever, have them on maybe in the background. Um, uh, when I'm you know, cooking, let's say, have it on Google Home Mini or whatever uh, device you have listening to you inside your home. <laughs> Never been easier. Buy a book. Yeah, you still can. But learn how to feed yourselves. Eat whole meals and let this be one of your whole meals, but also eat whole meals through the week and snack along the way. And you'll continue to grow. And then there's this thing that's historically been called spiritual disciplines. Some of them do fall into this category, but spiritual disciplines, you know, read the Bible, uh, personal prayer, devotional, stuff like that, um, are very important. Fasting could be one of them. Um, one of the myths I just want to bust, and I'm, I'm going to land the plane with this, uh, hopefully, uh, is with, when it comes to next steps and when it comes to personal disciplines, you, hopefully some of you will be relieved to hear what I'm about to say. There is not 
a one-size-fits-all approach, okay? You are unique, and so the way you connect and the way you follow Jesus, I mean, there's some stuff that we universally are called to do, but some of the, the environments or the approaches, they will vary from person to person. Some years ago, author named Gary Thomas wrote a book called Sacred Pathways. And this might be, if you want to like buy a book and learn about the spiritual disciplines, let me, let me show you that. I mean, the graphic is like, uh, bring that up uh, there, uh, Mitch, my man. And Q, Gary Thomas, Sacred Pathways. I encourage you, um, and the publisher's redacted. Uh, boy, I sh- I'm glad I didn't say what I was about to say. Uh, he outlines nine kind of personality types that, that will potentially inform the approach that you will you and I, if we recognize that and lean into that, will actually help us better connect with God. Because some of you maybe have done this. You heard your friend or you listened to a podcast and, and someone said to you, oh yeah, I start my day every day, one hour in the closet, one hour praying, and you think to yourself, all right, if that's what it takes, that's what I'm going to do. So the next day, you get in that closet, and two minutes in, you're, you're checking the time. You're thinking, here's it all. Because not everyone's wired that way. Okay, so Gary Thomas talks about nine. Let, let, me, let me quickly, quickly walk you through, just to get an idea. I'm not going to buy the book for you, read the book for you, dictate the book for you, but here's the nine. Let's throw them up on the screen. Naturalists, and just... By the way, uh, during the week, I mistyped and I typed in naturists, which uh, <laughs> apparently that means something very, very different. And, uh, and I also will have to say I'm glad I use an internet search engine that doesn't track your browsing history. Um, but anyway, it's naturalists, okay? But you know, these are people that when you're out in the wild, camping, walking, etc., getting some green under your feet, this is, this is actually where you naturally feel most connected to God. Some of you not. Me not, unless there's a concierge on speed dial, I'm not interested. But, but some of you are like, oh my gosh, walking through the woods and just listening and talking to God, man, that's what heaven's like. And I'm like, no hell, but that's because we're different, okay? Sensate, these are people multi-sensory and you like the idea of candles and stained glass windows and you know, when you travel to, to Europe and you, you go into some of the old churches, you feel like, man, the majesty of God is here. The problem with that is you can start worshiping the objects and not the, the, the thing that they are designed to point you towards, but I don't have time to go into that too much. Traditionalists, you know, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and I do not run down the Catholic Church, because for some people, that's where they find their best connection to God, because they like the liturgy and the, the same. Man, if we just did the same thing every single week, I'm telling you, personally, would make my life a whole lot easier, but we'd be bored to snores, and we've chosen not to go down that route, but many have, and that's fine. Aesthetics, take it all away. You know, we call them minimalists, but spiritual minimalists. You know, the less you have, the less clutter, the, le- the, the, the closer, the things that get in the way of you and God, boom, great, fantastic. Activists, there's two ways. I'm one of them, uh, as it happens. Um, enthusiasts, these are people that when you recognize them in a church, you have to make sure there's a two-seat gap during worship because there's a lot of moving parts, all right? And, and, and these are people that when they worship, they bring their outside voice inside, and you're like, like... 
And first-time guests, they didn't know any better, so they, they sort of accidentally sit next to one of the enthusiasts, and they walk out with a black eye and, and ringing in one ear. But, you know, that's great. I love the enthusiasts. When I'm preaching, I love the enthusiasts, not the cardboard cutouts. Tim Davies is an enthusiast. He's like, mm-hmm. He's like, he's like a bobblehead when I'm preaching. So I spend quite a lot of my time preaching to Tim Davy. <laughs> contemplatives and intellectuals. Intellectuals, you still know how to and choose to read books. Fantastic. Now, we also have, final thing, uh, some things we call our elevate essentials. These are things that corporately, these are things as a church we, we offer and say, these are part of how God's actually using us beyond our own journey to actually reach people and build people. And you'll find them listed in our app. I'm not gonna go over them. You'll find them on our next step cards, which are at our front desk. Going through this question of what it means to be the church, there might be one of the boxes there. Baptism. Join an Elevate team. I said I wasn't going to go through, but I am. Join an Elevate group. Uh, maybe make your decision to follow Jesus for the first time. Um, those are there, and they're there to say, hey, this is a part of us. This is what it looks like to, to be the church. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.